You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, we're going to get into our time in the Word of God. But thank you again for joining us here uh, on Ohana Sunday. If you uh, were unaware, the fifth Sunday of a month that has five Sundays, on that Sunday we don't have our kids' church or youth group, and we gather all together as a one church family to not only worship together, but then immediately afterwards— we will be eating uh, food together and having fun and good times of fellowship. When it's not raining and windy, we're outside, but we're going to actually stay inside here. Potluck food is going to be in the back, and if you can join us, we would love to have you stay around after service for lunch, maybe to uh, develop new relationships or deepen ones you already have. But uh, looking forward to our time to get into the Word of God this morning. So if you... uh, can, would you turn with me to our text this morning, Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 40 through 45. Mark chapter 1, 40 through 45. Uh, If you've been with us the last few weeks, you'll know that we just started a new sermon series called The Miracles of Jesus. And really excited about this series because for the next few months, what we'll be doing is walking through some of the miracles of Jesus recorded in the gospel accounts, ranging everything from providing food to the 5,000, to healing sickness and disease, to raising people from the dead, to walking on water, um, all those kind of big recorded miracles. We're going to be looking at a different one every Sunday. And really the purpose of this series is not only to be reminded, like, Sunday, every Sunday of of who the person of Jesus is, but just how incredible he is, how amazing, how wonderful. And what it does as we look at the person of Jesus is it actually shows us the heart of God. We looked at that last week when we started our series. If you missed our introduction to the series, I highly encourage you to go back, uh, whether that's through podcast or watching on YouTube or through our website, to kind of get an introduction. But the hope is, as we encounter the person of Jesus every week, that we see the heart of God. But also, we, we ask ourselves, how does it apply to us? What does that look like for us? How do we model the heart of God to those people around us? And uh, last week we did an intro and we looked at our first miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. And today's miracle is Jesus cleansing the man with leprosy. And so that's where we pick up. There's a few places we could read this. uh, Matthew, Luke, or Mark. But we're going to look at Mark's account today. But this is what our text says. Mark 1, verses 40 through 45, says, A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. And he said, If you're willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean, he said. Moved with compassion, it's key to today, all right, Jesus reached out and touched him. Also a really big deal. I am willing, he said, be healed. 
instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you and take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. But the man, what did he do? He went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. As a result, large crowds surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in a secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you that we have it that you preserved it for us and that we get to see the person of Jesus vividly how he dealt with the least of society, with those that were downtrodden and outcast. God, thank you that we get a window into the heart of God through this story this morning. And Lord, each of us here that would say that we're a Christian, that we're a disciple, that we're a follower of Jesus. When we read this story, we're supposed to then carry this same thing out to the world around us as your ambassadors. So God, we need instruction. We need to know what that means and how to do that. Holy Spirit, would you, would you, would you do that today? Give us understanding of your word and give us application to it for our own lives. God, we thank you once again for, in advance for what you're going to do today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right, so each of Jesus' miracles that we'll look into for the next few months has a significant purpose to it, or perhaps a significant impact, or its significance. Uh, it's significant because of the cultural context to the people Jesus heals or the audience that is watching, right? Not only is it the act of healing, but it's who Jesus healed, in what context, because it's a really big deal most of the time. And today's one of those times that not only was there incredible physical and practical implications for someone with leprosy that they no longer have leprosy. This is that, that alone is a big deal. But we're going to look a bit deeper today on even more why Jesus was breaking all the rules going after this man and healing him this day. And if you know, right, I mean, I think most of us now have a little bit of a grasp of leprosy. Uh, obviously, it's not so prevalent because it's, it's curable and treatable uh, if you catch it early. But that's only early 1900s. I mean, this is 2,000 years before that, and so leprosy was this infectious disease, again, mainly affecting your skin, but also peripheral nerves, and it would ultimately leave you not only disfigured, but disabled, ultimately ending in death. And it was highly contagious. As you know, there's leper colonies even here on the island of Molokai, like it was a thing, it is a thing, that you would seclude someone with leprosy. You would stay away from them. 
You would keep your distance. And why this story is so significant culturally, right? as horrible as the physical suffering was of this disease, I would say perhaps the worst part of having leprosy, especially in that context in ancient Israel, would have been the way that people treated the leper. Because just to let you guys know, in the Old Testament, God would give instructions that when there was lepers among people of Israel, they should be carefully quarantined and examined. It's laid out in Leviticus 13 and 14. All of Israel would know if someone had leprosy, there was orders to keep them quarantined and to keep them at a distance. Not only that, not only was there separation from other humans, right? Human touch, a hug, a friendship from family and friends was non-existence for you. That alone, but also lepers had to dress like people who were mourning in preparation for their own death. They had to warn people as they walked around in public by crying out, unclean, unclean. You had to say that. You had to draw attention to yourself as this outcast that people needed to watch out for you. Whoever was near them, they knew, they looked, they brought attention to themselves. Because again, this, this is a highly contagious, uncurable disease that could wipe out whole people groups. I mean, there was some purpose in this. But again, I think it's important that we put ourselves in the shoes of the leper. It's easy to look at the outstander like, oh, I don't want what you have. I don't want to get that, so stay away. But what if you're the leper? You thought COVID was hard being isolated. Like, think of the leper. And again, it wasn't always quick. A lot of times this was years long. And the people of Jesus' day, right? That's the Old Testament. That's the book of Leviticus for hundreds of thousands of years. That's how you dealt with this uncurable disease. But the people of Jesus' day went further than the Old Testament. And back then... They thought two things about a leper in the day of Jesus in our story in Mark 1. Number one is that they're walking dead people. They're walking dead. Just a matter of time. Don't even, don't even pay attention to them. Stay away, actually. And also, even further, that they were sick with leprosy as a punishment of God because of their sin or their family's sin, and so God was punishing them. In Jewish custom, like you, you couldn't greet a leper, you had to stay six feet away. Like, you guys get the picture. So, knowing that cultural context, think of the crowds that day when a man with leprosy, verse 40 of our text, came and knelt in front of Jesus. You're like, dude, you're breaking every rule right now. All the crowds, I'm sure, would have been yelling, would have been saying, stay away. He was begging Jesus to be healed. He says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus moved with a compassion. What did he do? He reached out. Jesus reached towards a man, and he touched him. The crowds would have been Oh, no. Like, Jesus, you are surely going to die down. Not only physically, 
but you have broken every cultural rule. Like, I can't believe this is happening. I mean, this would have been an absolute scene. Right? Knowing that cultural context, do you see how Jesus touching this man breaks so many rules? But this story is also significant because even just physically, right, this is very contagious. There was leper colonies. Like Jesus went after, he broke not only cultural rules, but physical rules. And it's because one of the things this miracle does is that it shows that God, through the person of Jesus, God in the flesh, God's son, has the power over sickness and disease, Everyone else in the crowd, everyone else in society would have said, dude, you're going to die if you touch that man. And Jesus says, I'm going to heal him because I have the power to heal him. Right? That's, that's what's happening here. But again, look at, let's just look for a second at a few things. What is significant about the leper's approach? The leper had heard about this man, Jesus. This carpenter from the city of Nazareth that's getting some attention. Because remember, last week we heard about he did this miracle at this wedding and he turned water into wine and word was spreading. Things were happening. This, this man might not just be merely a man. What if he's the Messiah and he's doing a lot of different things? And so this man with leprosy, hearing about this person Jesus, has the faith to believe that that man can heal me. And even Jesus says, right? Jesus is all-knowing. He knows the man's heart and mind, where he's coming from when he kneels down. And Jesus says, it's because of your faith that's made you well. This man with leprosy, even though everyone else in society said, no, you can't be healed, it can't be done, surely death is coming for you. Said, what about Jesus, though? I think he can heal me. So this man with leprosy, he's breaking the rules because he's getting close to Jesus. He's kneeling down. He's saying, if, you, if, if you're willing, I know you can heal me, Jesus. And it's because of his faith, and that will come up more than once in the New Testament and in the Gospels. It's because your faith that you are made well. And even the disciples that were closest to Jesus struggled a lot Believing and trusting that Jesus could do things like this. They even would go to Jesus and said, I believe you, I have faith, but help my unbelief. And I, I think we all resonate with the disciples quite a bit. I believe you, Jesus. I know you can do a lot. But then all of a sudden, we, something happens in our own life. And we're like, I don't know if Jesus can do this, though. We do it all the time. We have a lot of faith for other people, but when it comes to our own situation, all of a sudden, we question, we doubt. Right? We're really good at giving counsel. Someone comes up to us for prayer, and it's this impossible situation, and all of you are so loving. You're like encouraging people, and you're talking to the Bible, and you're like, Jesus can do it. And then you like go home, and you have the same problem, and it's like, Jesus can't do it. I think that's the reality of our faith, that, we're, that we're, we struggle because we live in a fallen world and there's sin and we have doubt. I think it's a constant growth to trust and, 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 and put our faith in Jesus daily that he can provide and he can heal. 
And once again, even this outcast, downtrodden, isolated leper said, no, even if everyone else tells me it can't happen, I think it can because of Jesus. Let that encourage your faith this morning. But also I want to look at, is I, I want us to look at Jesus' response. Again, he said, your faith has made you well. And then he says, don't tell anyone, because honestly it was a practical thing. Jesus knew, hey, if this gets out too much right now, I'm not even going to be able to do this anymore in any city. Like, the crowds are going to be too big. The guy tells, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't really doubt the leper. I mean, I don't really. If I got healed of leprosy, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. I cannot keep it a secret for a little bit. Like, I, but again, there is real purpose of what Jesus said next when he said, I don't want you to tell anybody because it's going to be an issue. But he gave specific instructions what this leper should do. Did you catch that? The first thing I want you to do is I want you to do exactly, and this is what he's saying, but I want you to do exactly what the Old Testament instructions say, that if you think you're healed with leprosy, you need to go through the right channels to the priest so that you can be ceremonially clean. What Jesus is saying to this man is you may be physically healed, but everyone still knows the town leper. Everyone still knows the cultural implications. You are still going to be stuck culturally, isolated from everyone unless you go through the proper channels with the priest so that he can, you can make sure that everyone knows, he can sign off that you are healed and you are cleansed. What Jesus is doing is he's trying to rehabilitate this man back into society. He healed him physically, but there's still a lot of cultural and social implications that he has to get cleared according to Old Testament law. And so what Jesus, that's why Jesus is like, hey, I know you're excited. I know this is amazing, but go do the proper things to the proper people so that not only can you be physically healed, but culturally and socially you can get brought back into society. I think it's just like a really incredible picture into the heart of God. Because again, how does, this, how does this story show us the heart of God? Well, I mean, for me, what stands out is the first three words of verse 41. Why did Jesus do this? He was moved with compassion. He felt for this man that had leprosy. And out of care for this man, out of love, out of grace, he broke all the rules to love him and heal him. Like, again, if you think of the leper in society, that would have been like the downcast, the put aside, the, uh, the one that no one talked to. This was the forgotten people. Like, think about that. It wasn't just someone that, like, needed a little bit. It wasn't just someone that needed physical healing alone. This is someone that had no human interaction. I mean, guys, can you, like, I, we, can't, we can't fully empathize. But can you imagine having to draw attention to yourself in public that you were unclean and contagious and you needed to keep away from people? 
And leprosy was a disease of the skin. I mean, if you see movies and stuff or pictures, you had to cover up because your skin and it was deteriorating. There was, like literally limbs were, would fall off. And Jesus felt compassion for this person. And what did he do? He broke all the rules. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks of me at all. I'm going to go after this person. I'm going to heal him. And I'm also going to rehabilitate him back into normalcy. The reason why I want us to like really grasp on, on that, that that's the heart of God, because that's the heart of God. And what, why, why I want us to like really take that in is because that is God's heart for the whole of creation and all people of any, you, you name it, any time in history, any country, any socioeconomic status, any ethnicity, you name it. God has compassion on the downtrodden and the outcast and the oppressed of culture, of any culture of any time. So the reason why I'm like, I'm, I'm pounding that in is because now I want to say, well, what does that mean for us here in this room today? And this is why this is so important. As disciples, again, this is if you call yourself a Christian. Uh, if you do, you're a follower of Jesus. Another way to say that is a disciple. You're maybe not one of the 12, but we are disciples and followers of Jesus. And at essence, what that means is that we learn what Jesus did, and then we do what Jesus did. That's the most basic I can say. We are to emulate, copy, imitate the character of Jesus in our culture to the downtrodden of our city, of our island, and wherever God would take you for the rest of your life. Because once again, we are the representatives of Jesus in the world today. If not us, who is? I think we think, well, ah, there's other Christians in other places. Well, that's not really how it works because maybe at your work there's no other Christians. Maybe in your class at school there's no other Christians. You are the only representative. Right? Like, we are the hands and feet of Jesus in our generation, 2023 today in Hawaii. God might call you somewhere else. You're a representative there. So the question that I think we should ask ourselves is, who are the outcasts in our lives around us? Who are the downtrodden? Who are the oppressed? Who are those in our culture and in our society here and now that we, like Jesus, can not only be attentive to, not only be aware of, but then we step into, we have compassion, empathy, care for them. There's a good chance we, it, we have no idea what that person's going through because we ourselves may never go through that. But again, that's important because you've you got to step in. You've got to step into where they're at. You've got to have compassion and care and empathy you got to sit in that a little bit. Yes, is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. But what is the purpose of that? So that we as believers can show compassion and care and love and generosity 
to those in our society, quote-unquote, that may be the lepers. Do you see the correlation? That's why for me, I, 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 so many times people will be like, well, the Bible's not for today. I'm like, really? This is so applicable. This is so real. This is so vivid. And so my encouragement, my exhortation, my challenge of today to myself as well is who is God calling each of us to love and have compassion on? Because again, each of us live in a different neighborhood. We drive different routes to work. We have different time. We have different resources. And you'll see and interact with people that I won't. And I will that you won't. We're all part of this. So who is God calling each of us to love and have compassion on? And also I want to encourage all of us to ask the question, who are those around us in our own sphere that God is leading us to give ourselves to? And, and I know that's vague, give ourselves to. But what I mean is maybe it's just pay attention. We all know this. It's really easy to become numb and accustomed to whether it's poverty, whether it's houselessness, homelessness, whether, whatever you want to say, that you just continue to walk by and you don't even notice anything anymore. You don't even notice Maybe you notice if something's changed or something's not there, but we never really notice. Maybe it's just noticing and being attentive, but I believe it's probably, a, that's the start. But I want to encourage us to really be challenged to step outside of our own comfort zone and our own comfortability and to be stretched to model and emulate Jesus to those around us, to the least of these. And again, that I, I, I want to pray, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit leads and gives wisdom and gives discernment and gives, because that's always hard to know. What to do? What should I do? How, how sh should I give? What should I? That's, that takes a lot of wisdom and discernment and trial and error, but I think the biggest thing is how are we attentive? How are we empathizing? How are we showing compassion? And then how are we asking God, hey God, what's my involvement here? I think for a lot of us, we're probably not even doing any of that. And that's okay. That's why it's like, okay God, I want to do that. Right? It's like the challenge. That's the conviction. That's the... And then we pray together as a church. As we enter into worship now, we pray for wisdom and discernment. And I believe God does that. I believe that this week you'll go out... And you'll just notice things a bit more. Maybe you'll ask someone their name that you've seen for like a year and you don't even know their name yet. But you see them every day. That's a huge step. Or it would just be praying for people. Or it would just be having more of a heart of generosity to those around us in need. So I'll leave all that with us right now. We're going to enter into a second set of worship. And this is a time of response where we can respond to God where we can turn to the person next to us and ask for prayer. We can pray together. We can worship. There's worship carpets. You can kneel in postures of surrender. You can stand up and raise your hands. You can sit. There's communion here. On either side, underneath the speakers and the TVs, there's communion. 
And what communion is, is it reminds us of Christ's body that was broken and his blood that was spilt. And as you take the cup of bread and the cup of juice and you take it, we do it in remembrance of Christ. And so let's do that now. Let's pray and um, let's enter into time of worship. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this vivid reminder of how good you are of how merciful you are, how graceful you are. God, we thank you that we get just just a, a small window today into this story, but I pray that we would, in our own lives, uh, you, would, you would continue to show us how it correlates. How, how does it apply? What does that mean for me? In my own life, with my, with my, uh, you know, with my roommates or with my family or at my job, give us eyes to see what you see. Give us your heart, God. Make us a more generous people. Make us a people that die to ourselves more, and maybe are more concerned with others more than ourselves. God, we want all that and more. God, I pray that you would pour your spirit on this time of worship. As we enter into these few songs of musical worship, we pray that your name would be exalted, that you'd continue to do heart work in us. God, we pray that you would have your way. We love you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.